contracts, salary caps. Why do our favorite teams make some of the moves they do? It's usually the money. It's time for the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Hey there, welcome to a special edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. The Business of Sports hugely affected today. This decision day, we've been waiting since December 4th, the oral arguments in the case of Christie Versencier, which is changed to Murphy, the governor of New Jersey, has changed since then. But we have a decision, and it's a good decision for New Jersey, and it's a good decision for sports betting. To break it down with me, I wanted to bring on some experts. I've got my friend and colleague Dave Purdom from ESPN, the gambling guru that we've been together so many times on this issue. And Dustin Gauker is with us from Legal Sports Report. He's really been an expert on this issue, someone I follow. Gentlemen, I'm going to do this. I'm going to give you an open canvas, blank canvas, and landscape it for us. How surprised were you? What does it mean? What's your first thoughts when you heard about the decision this morning? Start with you, Dave. You know, the the decision kind of came out like I thought it would. I did think that the striking down the federal ban on sports betting completely was the smartest move. Um, It would allow states to not have to kind of tiptoe around any uh, you know, kind of confusing laws that were being discussed. So I, I wasn't necessarily surprised. I was definitely relieved that we finally got the decision because it has been tense, as both of you guys know, sitting there every morning at 10 a.m. Eastern watching <laughs> to see if uh, the SCOTUS blog publishes the opinion. So I'm glad that's over. Um, I still think we got some hurdles to go forward with. Uh, most notably, I know the sports leagues are going to Congress immediately. Um, we'll see if they can have any better luck with D.C. than they have had uh, in the states, and they haven't had much luck in the states. So we'll see if their clout pays off more in D.C. Yeah, we'll get to how the leagues are treating this or responding to it and, and their lobbying. But your your chance to do the same, Dustin. Yeah, I'm with David. Uh, I wasn't necessarily surprised other than like until it actually happened, it was hard to wrap your mind around the, the world that we're going to be living in, that that states can now legalize sports betting if, you, if, you, if they want to. So, yeah, like uh, you and I and David, uh, you, we'd all talk to people who believe this was the most likely outcome. It's the outcome that makes the most sense from a policy standpoint as well. It just happens to be the, the one that, that also co- intersects with the law. So, yeah, we're obviously now in a brand new world where uh, we have several states already teed up, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, Mississippi, that are going to uh, pretty, move pretty quickly on, on regulating sports betting. And uh, all those places will have it either this year or early next. So uh, that's the next step is where we go from a policy standpoint, where we go. Um, like David said, we're already on, on to Congress. Uh, the fact that the, the bill came out today uh, from Senator Orrin Hatch is definitely not a coincidence. And we're going to see if uh, the federal government has any interest and actually regulating this as well. Yeah, before we get to what's going to happen now, the, the, the opinion itself, and just spend a minute on it, we don't want to get too legalese, but this is something that's been percolating in the courts on a losing battle for New Jersey for six years, seven years. So what was the change from your guys' opinion in terms of, okay, we understand, we were at the hearing, we were at the oral arguments, it looked like they were pestering the leagues and Looked like they had a six votes for the uh, New Jersey. But what changed? I mean, why is this the decision after years and years of courts upholding PASPA and ruling for the sports leagues? Dave, your thought? 
I really think that that one line that the uh, U.S. the Department of Justice put in their initial brief opposing New Jersey's first request to the Supreme Court to hear the case, which was back in 2014, they put a line in there that said, well, New Jersey, of course, is allowed to repeal its prohibition on sports betting in whole or in part. And I think when New Jersey grabbed onto that, and then came back to the court and said, look, this is what the Department of Justice told us to do. This is what we're doing. I think that resonated with the courts a little bit. Um, we all sat there at, at, at the Supreme Court that day and also heard them say that one of the justices questioned the league attorney saying, oh, wait a second, so you, you'd be fine with a 13-year-old coming in there and betting mm, on the red right. Attorney going, yep, yep, yes, I would. And the guy, the justice was like, you can't be serious. And I just think, you know, all that stuff kind of finally added up. And, you know, I think some of it, um, maybe more on the merits of the case, I think there were some basically real reality of it uh, came on board. And these justices said, you know what, uh, this law is poorly, poorly written. We need another approach. Yeah, Dustin, what do you think? You know, I'll, I'll piggyback on yeah, I'll take you back on all that. It's, I mean, I, there's differences, obviously, between Christie one, the first iteration of this case, and Christie two. Right. And you you have you have what uh, what becomes a very apparent uh, anti commandeering case, right? With the with the second version of the case, where New Jersey, like David said, kind of did exactly what they're supposed to. Almost not not quite exactly, but they're saying, "Hey, look, the the federal government's not letting us repeal our laws. This is this is a violation of the Constitution, and you know, it, all it takes is a, is a few clerks, a, a justice, to say, hey, this." This is, this is really fishy. We should at least look at this case. And then once you get there, once you get to the Supreme Court to, uh, to obviously use the betting parlance, all bets are off. And then you, ha- then, you, then you have it in front of the people who can make the decision. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, not at all shocking, I think, that even though they have lost uh, you know, for years in this case, that they actually got to this point and the Supreme Court finally said, hey, this is, this is enough. This is, this is a dumb law. So now we're in this new landscape, and as you guys referenced, New Jersey's poised to go. They've spent a million dollars at Monmouth Park. They got the book ready to go. You think they could actually, as one person or some people are pointing out, be ready to start taking book for the NBA Finals? Yes, I think uh, Monmouth Park can be up that quickly. Um, it's going to a little bit depend on the legislation that New Jersey's going to have to, I believe, going to have to repass it or tweak it or do some sort of. Uh, legislative move here, but I think they're ready to go on that. I think that won't take as long uh, as we might think. So I, I do think here within a few weeks that Monmouth Park is going to want to push the issue. They've invested all this money in this for how many ever years. They're going to want to reap the benefits a little bit of being first and getting all that money early. And I do think that when they promote that first weekend to be there, I mean, I think they'll be lined out the door to bet. So um, I do think they'll be up and running pretty quickly. And will that extend in other areas of New Jersey? Is that just the one location? I think Monmouth Park will be the first. Uh, and then I think the other casinos and other racetracks will come on board. I would assume that most of them are probably targeting the beginning of football to, to make sure they're right. up and running. And speaking of beginning of football, all these states that you guys mentioned poised to jump in, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, West Virginia, Delaware, and, and even New York, are we talking that kind of time frame by the NFL season, Dustin? You know, I think uh, I think West Virginia is by start of NFL season. I think Delaware is a possibility. Um, 
beyond that, uh, yeah, I mean, New Jersey for sure. Uh, how many books are open? You know, I think Borgata, I think MGM is going to be ready to go pretty quickly. Okay. Um, Pennsylvania, I, I know for a fact they haven't talked that much about regulating sports betting yet. They're, uh, they're in the midst of, uh, of a huge gaming expansion they enacted in 2017. So they're, they're working on other things. I think they'll they obviously kind of put the, put the pedal to the metal now that they have the legal clarity, but Pennsylvania might be more like late 2018, early 2019. But yeah, I think, uh, and he, heck, even my home state of Oregon here, we I've talked to the lottery here. They say they're going to be, they want to be ready to go pretty quickly. They're even in play. I'm not sure if, if for NFL season, but you know, in the near future. Dave, talk quickly put about out a this. today that 45 days. Oh, I'm sorry, Andrew. I was go just ahead. saying Mississippi. We didn't mention them. They, I believe, they put out a statement today that they would be ready in about 45 days. So I think we'd throw them in the mix too. Oh, they've already they've had actually proactively said that. Yeah, they've had uh, you know they've had some sort of legislation in place uh, for a while. It's a little bit confusing and uh, under the radar, but uh, they seem to be ready to go too. Wow. And talk, if you would, about this. I think I know I'm getting a lot of questions, and and you guys are more expert than I am about this issue. The brick and mortar sports book versus the online. Where are we with the the mobile and online versus? Actually, going to the traditional sports book and laying bets. You know, we're going to have, we're going to see it pretty quickly in a lot of places. It's been legalized in Pennsylvania and West mm-hmm. Virginia. New Jersey, technically, like because it was just the repeal of the prior the prior law, is not technically ready to go on online sports betting. But that's going to be rectified in short order. They already have online casino and online uh, poker in New Jersey, so they're they're definitely going to be going to sports betting. Mississippi, I think that's probably going to be land based only. Um, uh, Delaware, I'm not quite sure what they're going to do either. Um, I mean, they have William Hill as their vendor there. They, they, they operate the sports books, so there's at least a possibility they could go pretty quickly to mobile. But what we've seen in, in states is that uh, when they're thinking about legalizing sports wagering, it's almost a no for them right now that they're, they're trying to legalize uh, mobile wagering in parallel because if you're not doing that, you're not going to be competing with the, with the black market and the offshore sports books that we can all easily access right now. Dave? I agree with Dustin and all that. Um, eventually, this is all going to be online. Um, I think there will be either some mobile apps where you'll be able to bet on in-state sports books as long as you're inside that state. Uh, eventually, we'll have to potentially amend the Wire Act where uh, betting information can be transmitted across state lines. Um, I think that would help and increase liquidity uh, in the market. Um, which will benefit everybody, bettors and bookmakers at that point. So eventually we're going to get there. How soon? I don't know. I think we will start off uh, in land-based casinos, but I I wouldn't be surprised if William Hill doesn't have their app up and running uh, in New Jersey by football season. And again, this this Internet, this is for the the, the geeks and all of us. How are we talking about the geofencing in terms of states, in terms of uh, Mm -hmm. restricting minors? Is this kind of a fantasy part two, how we how they're going to get to that? Fantasy sports has already done this. They've already proved that geofencing works. They've When they went on their regulation in, in you know, some 20 states now, they've uh, proved that they have to be able to locate whether a, a player is in the right state or not. So this is this is technology that already exists. It's uh, being implemented already in Nevada. Uh, it's being implemented in in Europe too. It's uh, it's not it's not impossible to tell where people are if people tell you that you can't locate somebody with via their their devices and uh, their their internet signal. Then you're, they're wrong. It's 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 proven technology and it's going to happen. Uh, you know, minors is another issue as well. 
know your customer protocols are, are pretty robust in, in, in the gaming industry right now. It's, it's probably less, it's probably much harder to, to break that than it is to like get into a regular casino where if you're a minor, I'll worry all you need is a fake ID. So uh, I, I think those are, those are, those are concerns, but I think they're ones that have already been addressed in, in the gaming industry. And like I said, New Jersey online casinos, they've already proven this technology works for both geofencing and for, for making sure minors can't play. The only thing I would add there to that is that uh, the offshore books certainly don't have those uh, know your customer mm-hmm. protocols in place. So uh, this is definitely an advantage of the regulated market. Moving to the leagues. So here we are. You guys mentioned a bill already looking to have a federal resolution rather than a state-by-state patchwork. But we know how fast Congress moves on anything. So this is the way I look at it is they know the inevitability of sports gambling, but they would have liked to have their own dictate their own terms rather than courts and states doing it for them. So what now? Uh, beyond the, the lobbying for legislative action, can they just allow – I mean, they don't have a choice, right? Just we, they watch it go on in these patchwork states and continue to seek a federal resolution. Is that where we are with the leagues? I think so. That's where we are right now. Um, you know, NFL is going to go to Congress, as it said. I think they, if you looked at Orrin Hatch's uh, statement today, it mimicked a lot of the uh, language in the NFL statement. So it's pretty clear to me that those two are going to be partnered up on this next form of legislation. Uh, as you mentioned, things in Congress don't exactly move very quickly. So yeah. I don't think this will be a fast-moving thing for sure. Uh, it's hard to imagine with all the issues that we have on in the country that sports betting is going to be the one thing that we just whip right through and get done. Uh, I just don't see that happening. Um, you know, the NFL did have its chance to get involved in Congress early on. I know some staff members uh, uh, in Congress who said they reached out several times to the NFL and was told that, nope, we don't want to discuss it until uh, after the decision. And now we're to that point. Uh, it does seem to me, though, that they did have some kind of advanced discussions with uh, Senator Hatch. Um, so it mm-hmm. seems like those guys are going to kind of partner up and see what comes out of that. You mentioned Senator Hatch. I mean, th- th- just a note about Utah. <laughs> they're not going to have gaming, right? I mean, <laughs> this is state by state, but there's <laughs> no. some states that are just not going to play, right? Yeah, Utah is not going to be involved in this. So, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny to see Warren Hatch, who's from Utah, being the one who's going to say, oh, we need to regulate sports betting. Utah is not going to legalize it no matter what. I think the, I think the, I think the larger point here is, um, you know, if I'm getting something done, I'd want to get it done this year. If we, if we go into 2019, 2020, you're looking at Congress would have to rewind a bunch of states that have already passed laws and might have active sports betting industries already started. And I don't think there's, there's going to be as much appetite if we have, you know, 10, 15, 20 states possibly in the next two to three years already running sports betting for the federal government to come in and say, hey, we're going to tell you how to do this now. Like, I think that's, that's a tougher get. If you're doing it now, you have a, you have a better case when there's, there's really nothing out there other than Nevada. So you have a better case from a federal level to say, hey, we should regulate this now. But like right. David said, the reality of that, who knows? It's, a, it's an election year. Um, I don't know if, that's, if, if anybody wants to be betting on a gambling bill going into election if you're in a, in a terribly red state. So, um, yeah, lots of open questions as far as whether we're going to see anything from Congress. You know, I always talk about and talked with you about uh, the gambling czar and the NFL needs a CGO, like they have a CMO and a CIO and a CEO. Uh, do you think these leagues are really prepared? 
or they've just sort of felt like uh, we'll get it done when we need to? I think the NBA is probably the most prepared or at least most knowledgeable of it. Um, you know, the, the NFL supposedly gave a presentation at the owners' meeting in March, and right. there was leaks coming out of the NFL about this. Oh, this we've been doing this for over a year, but we had an owner tell us that you know if this had happened for over a year, they did a very poor job because there's not <laughs> much here. This is very uh, low level, low hanging fruit, just the basics, and we have a lot more to go. They again meet uh, next week in Atlanta here. Uh, so I, I'm sure there's going to be a topic that will approach. But everybody I've talked to says the NFL is behind on this issue. Yeah, and as you mentioned, league meetings next week for the NFL. I would imagine this just moved up the agenda list pretty good. Yes. Hmm. Yeah, Dustin, what's your impression of the sports leagues? Are they, they like I said, they, were, they knew there's an inevitability about sports gambling. They just would rather have it dictated by them rather than to them, right? Yeah, I mean, I think until the Supreme Court actually decided they were going to take this case, I think it was a back burner issue. I think they thought they had control of both what how it would happen and the timeline. Because in that in that world that we lived in before the the case was uh, accepted by the court, they there was no real impetus. We had the American Gaming Association saying, "Oh, we're going to try to pass a bill." I don't know how successful that that effort's obviously kind of moot. They were trying to repeal pass the, the the federal ban. So I don't know. I don't know how how earnest their efforts were to on this issue until, uh, you know, obviously the, the Adam Silver op-ed was, uh, was several years ago. And then I think last year they ramped up and they, they kind of started figuring out what their policy is going to be and how they're going to react to this. Uh, you know, I think it's, it was as soon as last summer when they really got their hands dirty and maybe they were thinking about it, but I don't think they were really ready for the policy. And we've already seen that in states. They've already kind of pivoted on what they want and what's realistic and, um, yeah, I think uh, there, there's no there's, the leagues are definitely playing from behind, like David said. And speaking of the leagues, and I know you got to run in a minute, Dave, but we would be remiss without talking about the word in two different contexts: the word integrity. Integrity has been the forefront of why leagues have resisted gambling, but ironically, or some would say hypocritically, <laughs> the integrity fee is much in the play right now, where leagues are trying <laughs> to negotiate their cut from the state's take on gambling. Just a word from each of you, starting with you, Dave, on integrity fees. Is it realistic? Can they make it happen? What's in it for the states to cede to this kind of fee? I think the first iteration of the integrity fee as it was thrown out, which was 1% off the top of all bets, meaning if you placed a $100 bet on the NBA game, the NBA would get a dollar of that, whether you win or lose. Right. So... I think that iteration is gone. I don't think any of that is going to come out. States kind of looked at them very, you know, disapproving. They were just, they, you guys are being disingenuous about this. Uh, so I think that's gone. I do think there's going to be some sort of commercial uh, agreement on the outside that may not be legislated uh, like the leagues would really, really want. The leagues would love to get something in a legislation uh, that they could use for balls or things in other states. But I do think that eventually – uh, I think West Virginia is probably moving in this direction. There's going to be some sort of commercial deal between the leagues and, and casino operators. But as far as the standard 1% off the top integrity fee, I don't think that's happening. So what will the leagues – I mean, will the, the leagues have no choice, I guess, right? So the, the states say, you know, go pound sand. There's no alternative, is there? Am I missing something? 
Yeah, they're kind of, uh, they got to do, I mean, they're, they're, they can't sue the states or anything like that that I know of. I mean, they might try, I guess. I don't know what they would sue them under, but yeah, they're, uh, they, they're going to try and they, have, they obviously have deployed lobbyists in almost every state where they're considering sports betting mm-hmm. legislation and their lobbyists are good enough and are influential enough that they, that they might get what they want some places, uh, as far as, what the states will get out of it. Uh, I haven't seen a whole lot of what the states are going to get out of it from, from the NBA and Major League Baseball. They are basically saying we need the money to for integrity costs and because it's our intellectual property. That's their argument so far. There's not been any quid pro quo where, oh, we're going to give you data rights or something else or uh, or anything. I haven't We haven't seen that that I know of. So it's, uh, yeah, it, but you're right. They don't have any kind of recourse if, if they don't get get what they want in their legislation. And beyond all of this, Dave, we're all talking about kind of the the concerns of the NFL and NBA, et cetera. But this is a new revenue stream, right? I mean, this is something that in the long run and maybe in the short run is good for them as they constantly search for revenue. It's going to raise franchise values, as Mark Cuban talked about. I mean, they know that and we know that, right? Absolutely. They know that this is going to increase fan engagement. Adam Silver has been very... Uh, open about talking about that. They know they're going to make more money off this, but uh, you know, I've kind of got this catchphrase I use on Twitter when people start saying this billion dollar businesses like money. They're going to keep trying to get money out of this, whatever way they can, even if they Mm -hmm. lose and don't get it, they're not going to stop trying. So uh, I think that they, even though they will experience the uh, increased engagement and fan engagement, that's legalization of sports betting, Will bring, and we can discuss whether how much of an increase it'll be. Um, but the, I think the leagues are going to keep trying to get what they want, and I think that's going to ultimately end up in the hands of Congress. Dustin, uh, the question I have: Who has the next TV rights deal up for for bids? That's what. Uh, that's where you're going to see the difference. If if uh, we're going to see how much. Uh, the, the TV networks and the leagues believe this is going to affect the bottom line by how much that next package is. And you might know that better than I do, but if yeah. I, I, I'll be curious to see what that number is and who, and who gets it when, uh, when it comes down to negotiating TV rights next because of that engagement that sports betting creates. Yeah. I mean, the, the NFL is obviously going to be the biggest deals of all and they're up in a couple of years, but it is good timing for that because they'll get a sense of the increased from the, uh, from the gambling by then. Last question. I know I've held you long, Dave, and you got to run to another one. But quickly, your thought on the morality issue. I mean, I had you on a panel a few weeks ago, and people were outside, not picketing, but handing out anti-gambling information. Uh, have we arrived at a point in society where the you know the puritanical look that the Europeans think of us is fading away? Is it similar to the marijuana? Is it something we're breaking down? stigmas uh you're in this space your thoughts on the morality issue of gambling definitely i've seen an increase in acceptance of sports betting i have a piece coming out next week that really tried to dive deep into that and see what changed and uh, what facilitated this move towards increased acceptance uh that said there are moral issues because there are going to be people that struggle with addiction on this and that's something that's been very hard for me to try to figure out what the best way to cover that is because it's a very small percentage of people. Only 2% of people that gamble uh, do become problem gamblers. Uh, That's from the National Council on Problem Gaming, that percentage. But, you know, should we just ignore those 2% people's problem? I don't think so. we got to figure that out. And so that is a moral quandary 
uh, for somebody like myself who covers this, and uh, you know, I'm I'm no idiot. I know my coverage provides promotion, almost almost marketing for sports betting operators. Uh, so that's yeah. hard for me to, to to kind of reconcile, and I think I'm still dealing with it. Overall, the acceptance of sports betting has increased, uh, without question. But there are still concerns that I think we need to be conscious of. Last word, Dustin. Yeah, I totally agree uh, on all that. Uh, you know, we're not in a world where the only place you can gamble are Nevada and Atlantic City anymore. You, I mean, Pennsylvania has 12 casinos and produces more gaming yeah. revenues than Nevada. So we're we're past, I think, this uh, casino gambling, this gambling is bad. We're, uh, that's not the argument anymore. Are there problems associated with sports betting possibly and, and problem gambling and, and the integrity problems that come along with it? Yes, those are problems. But uh, I think the morality issue if you're a state where you've already legalized all these other forms of gambling, I don't see why, I don't see how you could argue that sports gambling is as a moral problem for the people of your state. It's been a great uh, and really informative update on what happened with Supreme Court. Sports gambling made legal in some ways. Landmark decision today. And it was great to have people that I really trust and, and respect talk about it. Dave Purdom from ESPN. Dustin Gauker from Legal Sports Report. Thanks for being with me on the Business of Sports Podcast. Thank you, Andrew. Really hope you enjoyed that podcast with Dave Purdom of ESPN and Dustin Gauker, Legal Sports Report, two experts, along with, I'd like to thank myself, pretty busy day talking about the Supreme Court decision that's a landmark coming down in terms of what's going to happen now that the sports leagues have terms dictated to them by the Supreme Court and eventually by the states rather than dictating their own terms as they're used to doing. It's quite a subject. Hope you enjoyed the podcast. This one is brought to you by Harry's. Harry's is a great shave at a fair price. I use it every day. You know what I like? It's got a smooth, comfortable slide. You never, ever get a cut. I don't think I've gotten one cut. Love the scent. It's not too fragrant. It's masculine. I use it every day. It's just the right texture going on the face. Harry's stands behind the quality of their blades. They just know switching razors isn't easy, but you can claim yours. And they sell directly over the internet, as you know, so they can offer these blades at a fair price. It's just $2 a blade compared to four or more for the other brands. So why don't you do this? Get a $13 trial set. It comes with everything you need for the, the shave I'm talking about. Never get cut, close, comfortable shave. Here's what you get. The weighted handle a five-blade razor. It's got a lubricating strip, a trimmer blade. It's got rich shave gel, excuse me, the rich lathering shave gel that goes on so smooth and again, never a cut and you get the travel blade cover. So listeners of my show, you can redeem it at harrys.com slash sports, all caps, S-P-O-R-T-S, harrys.com slash sports, capital S-P-O-R-T-S. To redeem your offer, let them know I sent you and help support the show the business of sports with Andrew Brand. Appreciate you doing it one more time. Harry's.com slash sports, all caps, to redeem this great value from Harry's. Again, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Listen to all the podcasts on iTunes. Give us a good rating if you would. Stitcher, tune in. RossTucker.com, wherever you hear your podcasts. Follow me at Andrew Brandt on Twitter, and I'll be back next week with another edition of the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Thanks for listening to the Business of Sports with Andrew Brandt. Make sure to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You can also get additional insider insight by listening to the Ross Tucker Football Podcast, Fantasy Feast, Even Money, and College Draft Podcast, all at RossTucker.com or wherever podcasts are found.